Howdy, this is Dave Hill, and this is issue 42 of Dave Does the Comics. This is my weekly comic book review podcast, recorded on August 5th, 2012. The point of this podcast is for me to wax lyrical about comic books I've read over the last week. For those who hit the comic book stores each week, hopefully that'll give you a heads up based on my opinion about some recently released comics you might want to pick up. I try to avoid spoilers, but a few might leak through, so my apologies. Hey, we missed Dave Does the Comics Birthday. The first episode of this podcast was on July 17th, 2011. Wow, hard to believe it's been a year. We're going to talk more about that in the future of Dave Does the Comics at the end of the podcast. Meanwhile, there are some great comics to talk about this week, so let's get started. And we'll start with Marvel. Avengers Academy, number 34 from Marvel. Christos Gage writing. Tom Grimmett on the pencils. Final Exam, Part 1. With the Avengers Academy closed due to the AVX brouhaha, Jeremy Briggs and his Briggs Foundation, you may remember them from some issues back, comes in to pick up the pieces, the various uh, Avengers Academy core cast who have been out looking for something to do. In this case, in pursuance of his postmodern uh, super-poweredness where you get out of the whole hero-versus-villain paradigm and into serving mankind, he's come up with a cure for superpowers, which some of the AA cast, such as Hazmat, leap upon to fix their um, rather unpleasant conditions. Briggs, of course, has a deeper plan in mind, uh, which will, of course, tear the team apart and raise all sorts of interesting ethical questions. Nothing here is really original. I mean, these questions have been raised before. What is the purpose of a hero versus a villain? Doing good to society versus punching bad guys in the face? Uh, powers versus loss of powers? All of that. But Gage has done a fine job here in setting up the pieces and the emotions behind them with this cast over the past couple of years. He promises that things will never be the same again, and I can believe it. Um, this is really good stuff, uh, and also teen-friendly. Uh, so I'm going to give it four stars. I liked it a lot. Avenging Spider-Man, number 10 from Marvel. Kelly Sue DeConnick writing, and Terry and Rachel Dodson on the art. It's ironic that Carol Danvers as the new Captain Marvel is more interesting and engaging and well-drawn here than in her own new book. Throw in Spider-Man, the mysterious Robin with a Y hood, some entertaining square-cubed law discussion, and a gripping story, and you have one of the more entertaining comics that Marvel is putting out, both this week and in general. Four stars. I liked it a lot. Avengers vs. X-Men, AVX number 9. Marvel, Jason Aaron on the script, Adam Kubert and John Dell on the art. This is one of the better AVX issues, which overall have been better than usual for big event crossover core comics. Um, the wheels are starting to come off of the Phoenix Five, now the Phoenix Four. Uh, various mutants and X-Men are beginning to question whether the new world order their fearless and empowered leaders is putting in is really to their liking. And we seem to be getting some general superheroics, um, especially from Spider-Man as on the cover. And then things get worse. 
This series has been a very mixed bag to date, but seems to be actually getting better with time. Or it may just be because they hand off the scripting duties to different writers uh, each uh, month that it's simply uh, a, a Jason Aaron is doing a better job than some of the others have. At any rate, I gave this one four stars. I liked it a lot. Uh, certainly better than I had been thinking I was going to uh, early on in the series. Avengers Assemble Trade Paperback Volume 3 from Marvel. Kurt Busiek writing, George Perez on the art, including a large Thunderbolts crossover by Fabian Nicieza and Mark Bagley. This is classic Avengers storytelling from around the year 2000 in the best traditions of the old school, great art, epic stories all around, just good stuff. I've been enjoying this particular um, set of collections of the uh, Busick Perez um, Avengers since I've been buying them uh, and remembering how good those stories were. Um, with as much great stuff going on, both the Avengers and the Thunderbolts here, it really makes me miss those old days a lot. Um, Alrighty, and then we have Daredevil number... Oh, uh, that was four stars. I liked it a lot, uh, in case you hadn't gotten that bit. Daredevil number 16 from Marvel. Mark Wade writing, Chris Samney on the art. As the Avengers try to save Matt Murdock's life from his treatment by Doctor Doom the last couple of issues, we get some great Giant Man action, actually in more his Ant-Man mode, uh, working inside of Matt's brain against the little nanites that... Uh, that Doctor Doom introduced there, uh, complete with some interesting memory cross-connections between the two of them while they're down there, recalling that um, Giant Man's helmet can actually transmit his thoughts to insects. The nanites are kind of insect-like. It doesn't bear close examination. It's still very cool. Meanwhile, of course, Matt's life is threatening to fall apart uh, at the hands of Foggy Nelson and his law practice and what's going on there. Lots of fun, if a bit soap operatic at times. Um, I'm still glad that I chose to pick up this series. Three stars, I liked it. Over on the DC side, Before Watchmen, Night Owl, number two of four from DC. Joe Straczynski writing, Andy and Joe Kubert on the art, Some Things Are Just Inevitable, is the title of this installment. Uh, Joe's going a lot further in putting his stamp on the characters and the Watchmen universe than some of the other writers of these Before Watchmen miniseries. Uh, the results so far are pretty interesting. This issue gets into the Night Owl-Rorschach partnership, the whys and wherefores, and has one of the most amusing, if somewhat poignant, apology scenes in modern comics history. Uh, there's more to fill in here for background for Night Owl, who was something of a background cipher in the original, than for Rorschach, and Joe Straczynski's decision to give them some parallels in their origins is intriguing and interesting. The Cuberts turn in appropriately rough and ready artwork for some darksome storytelling. Uh, four stars. I liked it a lot. Justice League International, number 12 from DC. Dan Jurgens writing, Aaron Lopresti and Matt Ryan on the art. Final honors. It's ironic that the best issue of this series is its final one, save for an upcoming annual. Uh, Jurgens never seem to be able to give the team, the story, or the individuals here a, a gripping reason to be, and the unknown villains and UN politics that were going on were just not 
sufficiently engaging for my taste, and evidently others' tastes as well. This episode at the memorial for one of their fallen comrades wraps up things nicely, offers some promise for what might have been, and who knows what might be for these characters in the future in the Marvel Universe. Uh, Three stars. I liked it. That's a better rating than I've given a number of the previous issues. Earth 2, number 4 from DC. James Robinson writing, Nicholas Scott and Eduardo Pansica on the pencils. A confluence of wonders. This book is finally beginning to gel some to the extent that we finally get some of the characters into the same scene. Flash, Green Lantern, Hot Girl, and the new Adam, who appears to be a cross between the old Golden Age... Uh, Justice Society Atom and maybe Captain Atom in some ways. Uh, squaring off against this world's Solomon Grundy and possibly against each other. Uh, it's entertaining enough, but not yet quite up to where it feels it should be. Um, three stars. I liked it. Um, I wish I could like it better. Batman and Robin, trade paperback. Batman and Robin must die from DC. Grant Morrison writing, Fraser Irving, David Finch et al. on the art. This trade paperback collects the last of Morrison's Batman and Robin run before he moved on to Batman Inc., and epitomizes why I've stayed away from the Bat books for the past five years. Morrison's high-concept surrealism becomes close to incoherent here, and I say this as someone who's enjoyed his high-concept surrealism in the past. There are occasional glimpses of understandable character or narrative thread going on, but they're consistently wiped out by people saying or doing or dressing up in ways that make no sense to me. Um, so maybe it's just me. Uh, obviously there are people who like this stuff. I'm just not one of them. Uh, the art here, especially Fraser Irving's, doesn't help matters. It's fine for posters, but so staged and static as to hurt the action. Um, I give it two stars. It was okay, uh, but only for the bits that Morrison manages to make work for me. Alrighty, on to some quick reviews. First of all, two stars. These are books that were okay, but not really making me want to come back for more. Thief of Thieves, number seven from Image. I am getting the trade paperback for this, because I think it's one of those books that will uh, benefit from being collected that way. Green Arrow, number 12 from DC. Stormwatch, number 12 from DC. Three stars. I liked it, but wouldn't recommend it without reservations. The Defenders, number nine from Marvel. Iron Man, number 522 from Marvel. World's Finest number four from DC. And finally, four stars. I liked it a lot. Go out and buy. X-Factor number 241 from Marvel. Peter David writing and Leonard Kirk on the art. Fury Max number five from Marvel. Garth Ennis writing and Goran Parlov on the art. And The Boys number 69 from Dynamite. Garth Ennis writing and Russ Brown on the art. Alrighty, on to some named reviews. The best cover this week, I loved this. Hawkeye number one from Marvel, Matt Fraction writing, David, I don't know if AJA is pronounced Aha or Aja, um, we'll say Aja, on the art. The conceit of this series that it, is that it's about what Clint Barton does when he's not running around with the Avengers, and it just works beautifully. Aja's art, helped by Matt Hollingsworth colors, is gritty on the interior, beautifully artistic on the cover. I could have a poster of that up on my wall, especially if I was still in college. There's no gaudy superheroics here, no tights, no masks, just a man trying to do right by his neighbors and maybe his dog, uh, often but not always with a bow and arrow. 
it's a quite enough title, but excites me a lot for more. I gave this one four stars. I really liked it a lot. Um, pick this one up. I think it's going to be hot. Best trade paperback this week. The Boys, Volume 10, a Butcher Baker Candlestick Maker from Dynamite. Garth Ennis writing, Derek Robertson on the art. Um, this collects the parallel mini-series that delves into the past of the leader of The Boys, the brutal but just plain folks man called Butcher. As you can imagine from Ennis, and if you've been following this series, it's full of violence, tragedy, and black humor, but it meshes perfectly with what's going on in the main title right this moment, which made reading it a, a fine, fine, fine coincidence. Um, as that main series explodes into bloody ruin and wraps up in two more issues. Four stars. I liked it a lot. And finally, the best comic book this week, uh, that I read at least, The Shadow, number four from Dynamite. Garth Ennis, again, writing. Aaron Campbell on the art. The Fire of Creation, part four. The Far Eastern action continues as we learn more of the Shadow's origin through the eyes of our villains, and Lamont Cranston explains to Ms. Margot Lane why he's getting involved in the upcoming clash of nations that will be called World War II. Um, it's brilliantly done, and while I apologize a little bit for all of the call-outs to Garth Ennis this week, he's the perfect person to be scripting the ice-cold purveyor of justice known as the Shadow. Somewhat mad, always brutal and violent, uh, cold and calculating, um, just really, really, really nicely done. This issue in particular shines out. The first trade paperback of this title is due in November, but is available for pre-order on Amazon. I strongly urge you to pick it up. I give this issue five stars. I thought it was amazing. Alrighty, so the top summaries for this week. These are all four stars except for the last one, Avengers Academy number 24, Avenging Spider-Man number 10, AVX number 9, Avengers Assembled Trade Paperback Volume 3, X-Factor number 241, Fury Max number 5, Hawkeye number 1, Before Watchmen, Night Owl number 2, The Boys number 69, The Boys Trade Paperback Volume 10, and The Shadow number 4. That's seven for Marvel, one for DC, and three for Dynamite, and yes, four for Garth Ennis, for crying out loud. Alrighty, now on a more serious note. Hey, I've been doing Dave Does the Comics for a year. Uh, the magic number that I set in my head to try to do this at a minimum. I'll give it a try for a year. It hasn't happened every week, um, but it's been a concerted effort, and I am proud of what has gone into it so far. The results, though, have been kind of mixed, depending on what results you're talking about. Uh, the Blueberry podcast statistics I read indicate that someone is listening to the podcast, but not many. Uh, the stats say maybe 40 to 50 people per episode, which is nice, but it's hard to tell what exactly that means. Is that people going to the page? Is that people actually opening up the podcast and then shutting it down again or listening to it all the way through? I can't seem to find much in the way of iTunes statistics either, although there's only been one review, a uh, very nice one, thanks Stan, uh, which is not enough to give an overall rating to the podcast. Uh, I do get a few comments on my blog about the content, and on the G Plus page, Google Plus page, I share the blog posts on, but really not much. 
So there's not a lot of feedback or huffy or encouragement, uh, except from a few close friends and followers, and of course my sainted wife, who usually listens to these podcasts as I'm doing them. This week she is off picking up school supplies with our daughter, uh, so she'll have to listen to this on her own. Doing the podcast is kind of a non-trivial task. It's easily two, two and a half hours of my weekend between coming up with the actual reviews, doing the recording, doing the compilation and posting, downloading the covers for the blog posts, etc. My weekends are precious to me, and while I have fun doing this, there are other fun things I could be doing for those two to two and a half hours as well. Uh, Worse... And this, in some ways, actually is the worst for all the bitching and moaning I'm doing here. It's having a tendency to make reading comics work. Um, I get my weekly pickup on Wednesday. Um, I go to an extra special effort to do it on Wednesday because I don't have a lot of time. Because I feel obligated to read them all as fast as possible so that I'm ready to do my reviews on Sunday. So I can't say, oh, I'll pick them up on Thursday or maybe Friday afternoon because then I'm really behind the eight ball. Um... Feeling like I'm pushed to read all those comics that quickly, whether I feel like reading comics on a given moment or not, um, just isn't as much fun as it could be. Um, So, what to do? I I don't want to quit this podcast, um, but I'm not sure that I want to continue it uh, as I have been. In fact, I'm pretty sure I don't want to continue it as I have been. So the question is, how should it continue? One suggestion I've received is to make this podcast monthly focusing on just the best of the best that I've read over the previous month. Um, That would certainly take the pressure off of firehosing the comics each week. Uh, It would reduce the workload, certainly. It might affect my already not-so-burgeoning audience, uh, which I would hate to see happen, so I don't know. Any other thoughts out there? Uh, They're certainly welcome. Uh, Please leave them on my blog at hill-clearup, K-L-E-E-R-U-P, dot org, slash blog. Finding the podcast from there should be fairly easy. Leave a comment wherever you can. Um, And I appreciate any feedback or input you care to provide. And in the meantime, thank you so much for listening both to that sob story and to this issue of Dave Does the Comics. On my homepage, which you can find just as I mentioned above, uh, or through the marvels of Google, You can see all the lovely covers for these lovely comic books and leave comments on the podcast. I can be reached there or tweeted at 3 underscore star underscore Dave. I welcome your feedback, especially your suggestions for books I should try. I hope you've enjoyed this 19 minutes out of your life. Thanks once again, and as Stanley is so fond of saying, Face front, true believer! (laughs) 